Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. With the extra burden that mothers are carrying this year, I really do hope that this Mother's Day is a special blessing for you. But if you're wondering, uh, my message title today, Is God Punishing Me?, isn't particularly intended as a Mother's Day theme. Uh, no doubt there are some mothers who are asking them themselves this question, maybe multiple times a day. But there are probably plenty of fathers and children and grandparents as well. Now, one of the times that I got thinking about this question was after the tsunami hit Japan. The devastation was incredible and the grief of the survivors was raw. And as the relief effort got started, there was this flood of short-term missionaries who entered the country. Because there was so much to do, people were eager for the help, at first at least. But there was a certain type of missionary that caused incredible damage. They arrived from different countries and they had different religious affiliations. But what they shared in common was a commitment to helping the Japanese as little as possible. And instead, telling anyone who would give them a hearing that the earthquake and the resulting tsunami and nuclear disaster was God's judgment on them for their idolatry and unbelief. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. The same thing happened in some pulpits after 9-11. And you hear similar things from some people in wake of COVID-19. In one sense, this was the message that God told Jonah to give Nineveh. And it was a message that many prophets brought to Jerusalem in the Old Testament. But I fear that the missionaries who arrived in Japan did so with much more presumption and far less divine revelation. The Japanese were left hurt and angered. They felt confused and betrayed. It felt like blaming a rape victim. It was cruel and thoughtless. And it made real gospel ministry harder for the rest of us. Now, most of you wouldn't do such a thing. But you might pass a homeless person and assume they're getting what they deserve. You might see a poor person and assume they must be lazy. And when tragic circumstances hit your life, you may find yourself questioning whether God might be punishing you. Today we're starting a short series in John's Gospel called Light for Your Darkness. The message today, Is God Punishing Me?, looks at Jesus' encounter with a man who was born blind. And it shows when things go wrong, we often look for someone to blame. But God wants to open our eyes so that we can truly see. If you don't already have a Bible handy, I encourage you to pause the video at this point and get one. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of John, chapters, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. John's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. This is the word of God. Now the passage starts by looking at the wrong way to see trials. When things go wrong, we often look for someone to blame. We assume it must be someone's fault. Either we're guilty, someone has wronged us, or else God's unfair. Things go wrong, we look for someone to blame. Now the scene opens with Jesus passing by a man who's been blind from birth. Jesus and the disciples are probably leaving the temple at this point. The blind man is sitting at the gate begging. It was a common sight in Jerusalem. In verse 2, the disciples pose the question, Who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. They're looking for someone to blame. They assume someone must be at fault. If he had become blind as a teenager or an adult, it probably would have been more clear to them. Then they would have been more certain, must be his fault. The fact that he was blind from birth pre presents more of a dilemma for them. Did he sin in the womb somehow? Or was it the parents' fault? People make the same assumptions today. Some people think everything's their fault. Whenever something bad happens, they think, I must have done something wrong. They go around racked with guilt that they can't quite put their finger on. And they assume that God must be punishing them. Other people think everything's someone else's fault. They blame their problems on the government or immigrants or their parents. And they're just bitter, bitter towards certain groups of people because they think those people are responsible for all that's unpleasant in their lives. When we're too proud to blame ourselves and not clear about how to blame other people, we'll often blame God. If we're not guilty and someone else isn't guilty, then God must be guilty. We say things like, if God cares at all, he wouldn't allow something like that. Or, what kind of God allows a baby to be born blind? And we don't just do that with suffering that can't be explained. Even when we're clearly brought the circumstances on ourselves, we can still blame God. Like the person speeding down the road, they blame the police officer for the ticket. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, it says this, When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Sometimes we just get mad when painful circumstances come. We don't think we deserve it, even if we've clearly caused it. So we lash out and blame God. But the proverb shows us that sometimes it is our own foolish that brings us down. 
If you steal from your employer, you'll probably get fired. If you cheat on your wife, you'll reap the consequences in your marriage. And so it's not as if it's wrong to examine our hearts for sin and ask, could I have somehow caused this problem? What's wrong is when we assume that someone must be to blame. It's when we demand there must be some hidden sin lurking behind every unpleasant circumstance or else life is just unfair. Now, Jesus cuts off the disciples' hunt for someone to blame. He won't let them add insult to the blind man's injury by suggesting must be a result of his sin or his parents' sin. In verse 3, Jesus answers them, It was not that this man sinned or his parents. We don't like that answer very much. We want someone to blame because Otherwise, there's no way to be sure that something like that couldn't happen to us. On another occasion, Jesus was questioned about another tragedy. He responded by speaking about an incident where a tower fell and killed 14 people. In Luke 13, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, Those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now his choice of words is interesting. In one sense he's saying they're not to blame. But he doesn't quite say that. Instead of saying they're completely innocent, he says they're no more guilty than you are. That's because While there are so many painful circumstances in this life for which no one is to blame, the Bible explains that in another sense, we're all to blame. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they traded paradise for a world of sickness and death. And every one of us would have joined them in that choice. Because of human sin, we now live in a world of pain and sickness and disease. We experience conflict and war and death. And so there's a sense in which we're all to blame. So let's stop assuming that it's my fault, or it's your fault, or it's their fault. Somehow it's God's fault. Rather than searching for someone to blame, there's usually something else that God wants us to do. So let's turn there now. The second thing we learn from this passage is that when things go wrong, God wants to open our eyes to a Savior. Even though we've invited the pain and sickness into this world through sin, there's a good God who uses the tragedy of this world for our good. And he works in the storm to change us and mature us and help us to see. When things go wrong, God wants to open our eyes to a Savior. Now, Jesus shuts down the blame game in verse 3. And he points to God's good purposes. He says, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Trials aren't God's fault, but they are part of his good plan. The struggle we have is that we can seldom see God's plan until it's complete. With the blind man, we've read the rest of the story. So we know that God heals him and then uses his healing to bring him to faith. 
But our life isn't a book where we get to read ahead and get to the end and find out what happens. The blind man had spent his childhood not knowing what possible good could come from his blindness. His parents had seen their child born blind, probably only felt disappointment. That's where we find ourselves most of the time. And so it's only by faith that we trust God's plan and his goodness and his love for us. The problem is we've come to equate comfortable and predictable with good and uncomfortable and unpredictable with bad. But the Bible doesn't know any such equations and God seems foreign to them. A blind baby wasn't part of the parents' plan, but God used that blindness as part of his good plan. There's an interesting exchange between God and Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verse, verse 11. It says, God asks Moses a question. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? He was asking the question because Moses thought his limitations as a speaker were a liability to God. God reminds him that he gave him those limitations. And the implication is that because all things come from the good hand of God, we can trust that he'll control them for his good and accomplish his good purpose in our lives through them. In the case of the man's blindness, God's purpose was to use it to reveal who Jesus is. In verse 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He's making this bold declaration of his identity and calling. Now, if I said something like that, you might pick up th something to throw at me. At the very least, you'd probably walk out. At least I hope you would. These are not the words of a mere man. Jesus wants the people to see that he is the one who brings light to the world's darkness. And the man's blindness was a perfect metaphor to demonstrate this. People are born in darkness, unable to apprehend spiritual truth. We're blind to God, but he shines his light in our darkness and gives us eyes to see. In verse 7, Jesus sends the blind man away. He says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And when he goes and washes, the verses say that he came back seeing. Now, Jesus probably sends him to wash in the pool for the same reason that Elisha sent Naaman to the Jordan River for healing. If Jesus' goal was just to take away his blindness, he could have just done it. But he's inviting the blind man to trust him, to believe that his word is reliable. He's looking for a follower. And I've seen that time and time again. So often it's the painful trials of life that will open people's eyes to their blindness. God works in the midst of tragedy to draw people to himself. How many of the testimonies that you've heard at people's baptisms have begun in trials and suffering? Jesus shines his light in the darkness. He draws us near. He reveals himself. So when things go wrong, instead of asking, who should I blame? A better question to ask is, what can this teach me about God? How could this help me to draw nearer to him? 
How could it be used to point others to him? And instead of assuming that God's punishing you, look for ways that God can be calling you. When things go wrong, God wants to open our eyes to a Savior. He also wants to open our eyes to his good plan. God isn't just drawing us near to him. He's often working in our hearts and equipping us to serve. When things go wrong, God wants to open our eyes to his good plan. We already looked at the blind man's healing briefly, but I skipped over a strange part of the process. Before Jesus sent the blind man off to the pool to wash and be healed, do you know what he did? Take another look at verse 6. He spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. I assume that just about all of you have had issues with your eyes at some point in your life. Maybe you broke a blood vessel or had a sty or cataracts. Did you ever think what would really help right now is some dirt or mud in my eyes? Even better, if only someone would spit in them, that would do it, right? But it's almost as if Jesus wants the blind man to see that he's doubly blind. He's got a double problem. Because on top of the blindness that he knows, his eyes are all also infected by the filth and dirt of this world. I think it's a picture of his spiritual blindness due to sin. Jesus wants him to know that he can heal both of those. Because when you're blind, the temptation is to think your biggest problem is you can't see. When we're sick or we face an issue in our lives, we often can't see anything else. But that's almost never the worst thing, or at least the only thing that's wrong in our lives. The problem of sin is deeper, it's uglier, it's more dangerous. And so often we're blind to it. We can't see it and we don't deal with it as we should. And so with some spit and dirt, Jesus reminds us that there's a problem underneath the problem. And he has the power to heal both. Now, I was reminded of this when I heard the testimony of a Canadian missionary couple in Japan. A couple that were part of our mission often shared how their lives were focused on the world's values and blind to the world's needs. They attended church, but they were living for themselves. And then one of their best friends died in a car accident. Devastating tragedy. But as God met them in that tragedy, he also opened their eyes. He also helped them to question what they were living for. It drew them nearer to Christ and resulted in them giving their lives to missionary service. When things go wrong, God wants us to open our eyes to his good plan. Now, in this chapter in particular, the problem that so many seem to share is a failure to see. In verse 8, when the neighbors see the man healed, they ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Remember now, he's their neighbor. They've probably seen him begging for years. But it sounds like they don't even know his name. He's just the man who used to beg. Then they can see, then, then they can't see past his blindness. 
the disciples aren't much better. I'm not sure if you noticed as I read from verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus saw a man blind. But the disciples don't even see him. They just see him as a topic, of, topic for a philosophical conversation. They're blind to his needs, blind to his pain. Probably most tragic of all are the neighbors who see him healed of his blindness. While some are asking whether it's the same person, others are convinced that it is, even though the healed man keeps insisting again and again, he's been healed of this blindness. In verse 9, some of the neighbors just can't believe it. They're like, no, it couldn't be him, but there is a definite resemblance. They're blind to the power and the work of God. And this is the most dangerous kind of blindness that there is. Now, I don't know whether you find yourself trying to blame someone for COVID-19. I don't know whether you're quick to blame yourself for hard circumstances in your life. And I don't know whether your tendency is to blame others for what's wrong in your world. But I do know that that's where a lot of prejudice is born, and that's sin. Blaming the blind man and his parents was cruel and insensitive. And a lot of blame that we throw around when things don't go away is just as wrong. This passage teaches me that trials and tragedies can become opportunities when we look to a gracious Savior who can redeem our pain. So when we're feeling that pain, let's look for the opportunity. Maybe the opportunity is to draw nearer to Jesus, to get to know him better. Learn what it means to depend on him and his strength. Maybe the opportunity is to see the mud and spit that's in our eyes. To seek Jesus for healing and growth at a deeper level. Maybe the opportunity is to learn to see people around us in need. To, to nurture more compassion and engage more personally in other people's lives. Maybe the opportunity is to point people to Jesus to respond to his call to make him known and draw people near. Now, as you read this passage, if you wonder whether the opportunity in your life is to make you realize your spiritual blindness, that you've been blind to what God has been trying to do in your life, don't miss it. Respond to the love of God in Jesus Christ while he's given you eyes to see. By putting your faith in him, he becomes light to your darkness. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus' light in our lives turns darkness into light. He lightens the darkest of days, and he gives sure hope of a bright, shining morning to come. Make that your hope through faith in him. Now in our passage today, the final word went to the blind man. And I want to give the final word of my message today to a blind girl. She wasn't born blind, but she became blind just weeks after her birth. Her father died before her first birthday. But while physically blind, her eyes were opened to a savior. When she was just eight years old, she wrote the following. She said, Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, 
contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind. I cannot and I won't. She went on to write more than 8,000 hymns. And her name is Fanny Crosby. She shows us that no matter how dark our days may feel, we can cling to Jesus who gives us the light of life. Let's look to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is light for our darkness in Jesus Christ. We thank you that there is hope. We thank you that there is one that we can turn to. Help us, Father, not to assume that there's always someone to blame. Not to get caught up, fixated on who did it and why. Who's responsible, whose sin it was. Instead, Father, help us to give ourselves in trust to you. To believe that you're a good God. You're the one who gives us even our limitations. And so we can trust that you have a good plan for them. You have good purposes. Even in darkness, nothing catches you by surprise. You're still carrying out your good plan in our lives. And while we don't get to read the last chapter of our lives yet, and we don't get to see exactly how things will play out, we can trust and believe that you are good and you care for us. And so we can trust you. Father, I pray for anyone this morning that you are seeking to reach by your word, someone who you are trying to shine your light into their hearts by faith. Draw them to yourself. Open their eyes to see and give them the courage to trust you and to follow where you would lead. For we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I hope that today's message has helped you to see more clearly and to look by faith for opportunities in some of the hard circumstances of life. If you know someone who would be encouraged by this message and share it with them. And together let's try to lift the darkness that so many people are feeling. As always, for more messages of hope, visit www.gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.